Are you gonna say? Steven. Are you gonna say Steven and the Seagulls? Oh my God! You know Steven and the Seagulls? <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw them in concert here in Nashville whenever they were doing their their U.S. tour. I love them. See, before oh all this pandemic stuff, they actually played down in Indianapolis, and I didn't realize they were there until like a week after they played. Oh, that's crazy. And then, crazy. I, and then yeah. I bought tickets to go see the the Who band at the same venue. Oh, they're awesome. Okay, so what was the okay? What was the song that turned you on to <laughs> Thunderstruck? It really was, wasn't it? The yeah. opening of that song is the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. It is. It's amazing. If you guys have never seen it, I you have to watch right now. Stephen and the Seagulls doing Thunderstruck. John <laughs> doesn't love anyone if he doesn't share this with have someone. Have you seen? So hang on. Have you seen oh, the, uh, their album cover with the emo cows? No. <laughs> All right. Please hang send on. me the email, cows. I, I know we've been recording. Okay, so then Zach, you can just, you know. you can just screen share. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I live in I live in backwoods, um, rural Kansas. Of course, I know. Uh-huh. There you go. Oh my goodness. Because I care. It's in chat. Sweet. Oh yeah, uh, it, I will watch that every once in a while. Like when I'm feeling like I need a little pick me up. Yeah, dude. I will. I will dive down the thunderstruck rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> that is uh that's a good stuff. Oh my, that is like small world. I mean, they're now granted they've had a hundred million views, so more oh, than a few people have seen this thing. But <laughs> shut up! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh boy. That's I'm gonna awesome. share this with my server. <laughs> that is goth awesome. cows. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That K-pop. is a new monster that needs to be made. <laughs> they're 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 uh, they're all of the milk that comes like out of them is spoiled. Their <laughs> album titles yes. are delightful, especially tied to their visuals because it's Grainsville, Grainsville, and then it's Brothers and Farms, <laughs> um, and then Antisocial, which is exactly what it. <laughs> Oh, no. uh, is this the episode? Can this just be the episode? I mean, because this is like good this stuff. Should, we, see, this people yeah. need to know about these things. <laughs> they do. This we is are for coming the at we are coming at you with uh, all kinds of knowledge being dropped. It is mm-hmm. esoteric. Not mm-hmm. yeah. We can good knowledge. <laughs> we can maybe tie this back to D anD D somehow. Troy, that's your job. Tie this back in, and we'll start the episode. Go. I already did. I already did. Goth cows needs to be a new monster. Okay. Well, then do the intro. Let's do the second. I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow it. Okay. Well, hey everybody out there, uh, including all the goth cows. This is uh, Bite Size Gaming's uh, newest uh, episode of After Dinner Drinks, and I'm here with uh, my cohorts, Catherine. Jonathan and Zach. Yo, I am Troy, home. and uh, we're here just to talk about whatever. We're casual. I'm going to throw out a topic, and we're just going to discuss amongst ourselves. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. if you'd like, send us messages about uh, about what we're going to talk about tonight. Maybe even throw some ideas about what you'd like to hear us uh, yeah. bander mm-hmm. on about. Uh, you know, idiotically as we as we have been doing for the past. 20, 30 minutes. Mm. Um, 20, 30. Yeah. Yes. Have you, have you Try run an out hour of... hour and 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> have you, have you, do you have a topic that you've already 
uh, that you've already done to death or that you've already driven into the dirt, hand it off to us. We'll take it. We'll take it just a little bit further. Let us. Yes. Speaking let us, of let emo cows, do you have a dead little. horse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're beating the you're beating the dead emo cow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, tonight, today, this morning, whenever you may be listening to this, uh, I thought we would talk about some of our. Uh, our house rules mm-hmm. and little rules Ooh. tweaks that we like to incorporate or maybe have tried the past currently using in your game, mm-hmm. maybe thought about trying down the road. And of course I have pages upon pages of these things. Mm. <laughs> Troy, the don't game designer in his spare time. Yeah, if you're, if you're yeah. out there listening right now, don't be offended if you hear me ticking at my keyboard as I'm taking notes, copious notes, because I love I love hearing this stuff from, from other DMs. So mm-hmm. carry on. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff here. a lot of the stuff I have stolen from you know, obviously have stolen from other uh, other people, other uh, other podcasts, other streaming games, other DMs that I've played with and all that good stuff. And I do have a little list of, you know, acknowledgments at the end. And it, it's definitely not exhaustive by any stretch, mm. but it's the, it's the people I could think of. Mm. Can we can we start off with for the uninitiated? Most people are. I think most gamers are going to know what we're talking about when we call it, talk about a house rule. And yeah. and can we not only can we say what a house rule is? Can we define for our terms for as our term? Right? Is house is house rule anything outside of player's handbook? Is house rule acceptance of a variant from DMG, or is it third-party material? Is it something that you come up with yourself, or what would what would we call a house rule? I kind of feel like a house rule is like yeah, any anything that's a tweak from like at least the SRD and player's handbook. Okay. Anything that uh, you know people might not not everybody has access to. You know, any every player might not have access to the, the DMG or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, the DMG is one of those gold mines of knowledge mm. that a lot of people haven't even looked at. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't tell you really how to DM. It just gives you all kinds of tools to make your game more interesting or, or in a different style or, or, or what, what have you. Different rules. takes on Different takes on rules. Mm-hmm. Very modular, very plug and play. You know, so yes, Good. those those can be kind of house rules because, you know, we all come from a Adventurers League background. Mm. So anything we pull from the DMG or from a podcast is going to be a house rule from where we set, mm. really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good definition. Pretty much cool. any let's say that anything outside of the PHB, right? Yeah. Because even cool. in the PHB you've got some variants that are in there here and there, like human feats. Yeah. 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 Human yeah, human starting stats, feats. Uh, some of the other racial stats, I think, like drow and things like that, are could could be arguably considered variants within PHB. So anything yeah. outside of that, right? Cool. Or right even kind of like twists and turns on the existing rules that are not rules as written, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. cool. Gotcha. I like that. It's a good definition. So who wants to start? I got a short one. I'll okay. I'll, I'll throw it out. Um, I I came up with a few um, by wow. the end of it, but I don't have four pages, so. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> How about a how how about a house rule dealing with inspiration? Oh um, yeah, I got a list of those. Okay, well, yep. um, I'll I'll shout out um, Sam Jack as my inspiration for that. He's my original DM. Um, okay, he implemented something um, a few years into our game where instead of inspiration being 
advantage on a roll or a re-roll, he takes this big old D30 and he plops it in the center of the table. So instead of a D20, it's a D30. And you do not, I do not as a DM give you inspiration. Once per game, you may claim inspiration. (laughs) And you grab that D30 and you say, this is why I'm inspired. And you describe how your character comes to this revelation or this inspiration or this this strength of will in the moment. And if if he likes it, which is almost always, you can roll a d30 instead of a d20. And I have used that quite a bit, and my players love it, and I love it because I don't have to forget inspiration anymore. (laughs) Because that's what happens. (laughs) I definitely like the the idea of I'll, I'll, I'll even steal it. Or I'll, I'll like I'll yeah yeah let me let me uh, acquisition it just a little bit and say even if you used inspiration as the d as a d thirty instead of rolling for advantage yeah right giving yourself a broader swath of like point values that you can that you can pull for pull from right I like I really like that idea too for yeah sure yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you're giving them uh, basically a one in three chance of critting right which is or uh, yes yeah oh one so three then chance. well that was the question I was going to ask next is with with those rules if is it still anything twenty or up is still considered a crit yeah it's an automatic oh, wow. hit sort of a thing Whoa, um, nice. oh wow so. And and skill checks, of course, don't have criticals. But if you roll above a twenty, you're basically succeeding on those two. So, yeah, right. it's it's really fun. It's been I I have never been disappointed in it, and it makes your character, your player, sit there and be like, not oh, I have this extra dice, I can roll it. But mm-hmm. how do I present this to the DM in a way that's going to allow me to roll this? Which is a whole different mm-hmm. conversation. That's okay. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, so uh, I've got one for inspiration that that might right. be might be taken pretty well. So players may receive inspiration points as a result of their characters' heroic deeds, ingenious solutions to challenges, compelling role play, and other feats of awesomeness at the playing table. Points are distributed and ad, uh, distributed and adjudicated ugh, by the dungeon master, but players can petition their dissemination as well. And so the points you can accrue them, and you can have a maximum of five inspiration points at a time. Any opportunities to earn more points are forfeit until uh, one or more of these points have been spent. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got a pool right. of inspiration that you can draw from. Um, and then, so some of the uses that I've that I've worked with in the past, and kind of tinkered with, and and um, and, and played with are uh, one point, one inspiration point is a plus one to an attack roll, saving throw, or ability check that can be utilized at any time. So if you're just a, you're they're one point away from hitting that that monster, if you're just one point away from making that saving throw, you can use one's point to tilt the favor your favor just a little bit in one direction or the other, right? Cool. Right on. Uh, nice. Two is plus one to a spell save DC. Uh, two also two is gain an extra bonus action during a turn, gain an extra reaction during a turn. Three is gaining advantage on attack roll. Right, that was my my midpoint. So that was the thing that I kind of went off of for for mm-hmm. balance. Uh, three is also an automatic save on one death save. Uh, regain uh, once uh, first level spell slot, mm-hmm. and then four is gain advantage on an initiative roll, uh, or plus one d six on an attack roll, saving throw, or ability check. And then five is regain a second level spell slot or regain a class feature. Cool. And so, I used that f- for about a year and a half while running Storm King's Thunder, and the players really, really loved it. 
Mm. Um, okay. And it it wasn't game breaking. There's a lot of really neat stuff that's in there, and the it's the the uses list expanded. Obviously, from it went from just like plus one on attack roll. Like I think I had like five of the ten or so that are in there at the very beginning, and then the players started giving me ideas. Like, well, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, yeah, let's see what it happens and see if it breaks the game. And it never really did for us, at least. So, cool. Very cool. That's cool. Okay, Kathy, you got anything for inspiration? Uh, I actually do. Cool. Um, it is a um kind of a branch off of the it kind of branches off of the other two a little bit especially John's in um, letting players give each other inspiration um, yes. yes like if it could be like a mass vote or it could be just like you know what here and I haven't actually experimented with with this at all yet, but I think it'd be really cool to be like, okay, uh, you have, like, you each have a D8 or something like that, and um, you can't use it yourself. Like, you can't give yourself mm. inspiration. You have to give it to another player. Um, and, and be watching for... Uh, you know, maybe somebody comes out of their shell a little bit more than they had, uh, or you know, maybe somebody does something really creative in combat. Any anything like that, you can just hand them the D eight at any time. That's cool. Um, thanks. Yeah, I like yeah. That. I, I like that. Yeah, I like the I like <laughs> the idea of of uh, of getting the investment from the players in inspiration because yes. I want the players to get inspiration. I want to give them inspiration, but I'm sometimes so caught up in what's the next thing, what's the next thing, reference my notes, mm-hmm. RP, RP. Like, sometimes I forget to do it. It's like, oh, that's a really great idea. I just forget to say, oh, you get inspiration for that. So right. the players petitioning to have other players get ins- receive inspiration for a cool thing that they did and helping rem- rem- me remember, that's, like a, that's a given, man. Um, I love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely like uh, when my players say, "Hey, you know that was a really cool idea that that this person had." Uh, give them, they they should get inspiration <laughs> for that. It's like, yes, they yeah. should get inspiration. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah, my my inspiration list. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My first page. <laughs> my first page. Uh, Volume one: The early years. The early years. As a matter of fact, it is the early years. I had, you know, when when Five E first came out, I had a heck of a time remembering to give out inspiration. And like like with Zach and his big D thirty, I went a different route because I tried to you know keep it more of the you know the point inspirations or whatever. I use candy, and mm-hmm. I put the candy right there beside me, and this is where the evil part comes out. <laughs> you get inspiration. I give you a piece of candy. If you want to use it, you get to eat it. If you happen to forget and absentmindedly eat your Starburst, you've lost your inspiration. No. And I, I do that because you have no idea how much joy it brings me to watch a, a grown man spit into his hand a half-chewed thing of oh. Starburst. Oh, I almost ate it! It's, it's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Partial inspiration, is that a thing? It's, 
If well, I usually you know if it's, they got it's that like a far, dollar, right? Like you know, yeah. like fifty one percent of a dollar is still a dollar, <laughs> but anything less is anything less. You get, yeah, I, I'll sorry, let you roll could... a d ten, a d ten for inspiration on that. Is regurgitated but, inspiration a thing in this game? It, it's a lot of fun. I I'm, oh. I'm a, you know I try to be a nice guy unless it's at my home table that I'm you know I am the evil DM, but at a convention. If if someone does something like that, I'm like, you know what? Go ahead and eat it. I'll you can repl- I'll replace it, mm-hmm. just because it's so funny. <laughs> the whole table just cracks, and you know you lose them for a little bit, but it's great. Of course, they're um, they're mortified. I love it. Oh yeah, they're absolutely mortified. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, for me, uh, I don't have a limit on how many inspirations you can have mm. at my home table, uh, and that also kind of feeds into some other house rules that I have, um, you can use that to buy things. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a house rule, rule called, I know a guy, mm-hmm. but you can't just call it out. You have to give me something and mm-hmm. it's usually inspiration. And it, and it depends on, well, how important of a guy is it that you know? Well, that's yeah. going to cost you three inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it becomes kind of a little bit of a currency. It's in, uh, funny that you yeah. bring that up because that is a actual mechanic in Vampire. Oh, really? The I know a awesome. guy mechanic is actually a cost. A cost. There's a cost involved mechanic on your character sheet. You can buy knowing a guy, basically. So. That's awesome. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, Zach knows Eck now, who we we play yeah. with on the regular. Ect uh, had, when we played Rogue Trader with one another uh, years ago, and then recently we had kind of a, a quick um, Renaissance. Yeah, a revival, yeah, a revival of, of uh, Rogue Trader. One of the things that he did, I think he, he made a mistake at one point in the, in the game, and he felt like he had cheated us or he had, you know, somehow he'd done us dirty. And so he's so fair-minded, he goes, okay, so here's, a, you get a mulligan or you get a... It, the next time around, next time some, something comes up to where you don't like the way that the story is going, or um, something goes wrong, like if you all, you know, bite the dust or something like that, it's essentially like a you get to re reform reality and, around what you want instead of what the direction the story is going in, right? And so I I loved it not just because of how fair minded it is, and it's just it's a, a totally an eck thing. I love the fact that the DM is willing to relinquish control, which is really difficult sometimes, of the story to and to uh, allow the players to veer sometimes wildly off course and do something else in their favor or towards a direction that is to them is more entertaining. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I loved it because he used it as a pivot point for making the game more fun, not just to make it more fair, but like which direction were we going in that you didn't like? Sometimes it's hard for everybody to sit around the table and say, well, this is the thing I didn't like and I don't like you and your face is terrible. And you know, <laughs> going, going on a diatribe about how you didn't like the game is tough sometimes. So, But instead, if you say, you know what, this is a thing you just get to do. It's part of the part of this, this little extra bonus mechanic that I've, I've come mm-hmm. up with. If you don't like yeah. the way it's going, well, tell me how, you, how it should go instead. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, that that's was great. Cool. Definitely like that. So, uh, who wants to bring up the next one, or do you want me to just start reading off? And or I will give you the the, the headline, and we can discuss. 
Yeah. How do you want to do Sounds it? Sounds good. Either that way, good. you're in charge, bro. I'm in charge. Okay. Uh, does anybody have anything for healing potions? I have something for death and dying. So if we want to talk about okay, just just I, hit point loss in general, I can I can contribute. Right on. I okay, have yeah, one yeah. for. Um, I mean, it's a very short one. I have one for making healing potions. There you go. Um, okay. Because I I had a character who. Um, was proficient with the herbalism kit, and I was excited to make all these potions, and I never had enough time. So, um, so I would say um, treat it like a check, kind of. Um, <clears throat> like, roll a d100, and then that percentage is the percentage of the potions that you that you said you were going to make um, that turn out well. And then you also roll a d20 to see how well you roll a d... I'm going to say a d6. I hadn't figured this part out yet. Roll a d6 to see how long it takes you. And like one, it's like per hour. Mm -hmm. So you okay. can't sit there and churn, um, churn potions out for an unlimited number of hours. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, unless you are sitting around for like, I don't know, two months of downtime, but, but so you, you roll to see how, how many you can make essentially. Um, cause I'm, I would just say one hour equals one potion. That might be too easy, but downtime is also really rare a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. And if you have something like that, you know, it's fun to be able to work it in. Um. So, so that's, that's what I would do. That's what I would do with healing potions. Um, I'm always, and yeah. I'm always ready to invest myself in an idea that doesn't involve casting spells to heal. Mm. Mm. So the idea that you can use an herbalism kit to create a healing potion to me is great because anyone can gain that proficiency and become a secondary healer, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. So, and of course it needs some time like yeah. you can't it needs some time but I when I first looked up how long it took to make a healing potion I was getting like you know the the shortest time frame that was given to me was like eight hours for one healing potion mm -hmm. and you know that never happens eight hours of downtime that almost never happens <laughs> yeah I'm gonna stay up all night and make this potion and then we're gonna have to rest another eight hours so that I can rest yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then and then it does, the 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 internal economy doesn't even work for that. One potion takes eight hours, and you're only going to charge fifty gold pieces for it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's odd. Well, I actually <laughs> have I have one that I have not used for for healing potions, but that uh, I have a friend of mine that swears by it, and he uses when healing potions don't heal hit points, they give you temporary hit points. Oh, interesting. And hmm. so it is. It makes healing potions very, very dangerous uh, because if you have one hit point left, but you've got like 10 temporary hit points, then it kind of creates this false bottom mm -hmm. in your in, in what you've got available in resources. Um, mm -hmm. And it's uh, he also even t tinkered with the idea or toyed with the idea of it being almost like a stimulant 
to where healing potions don't, don't really heal you. They just jack you up so that you end up gaining like a level, the equivalent of a level of, of exhaustion yeah, or uh, or some kind of nausea or something like that. There's some ill effect after you've taken the, 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 the healing potion. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. That's interesting. My yeah. my death and dying kind of ties in with that. So let me let me take us down that dark path. Um, <laughs> so dark path. the one thing dark that path. I don't care that much for in 5e is the three, three strikes you're out dying mechanic. Okay. Um, because all you do on your turn is you roll the dice and you have a 50% chance basically, or slightly better than 50% chance of being okay. And you just do mm-hmm. that and you just roll and roll and roll. And maybe sometimes you get a one and it's exciting. And sometimes you get a 20 and it's positively exciting. Um, <laughs> and, and you get, and maybe you sweat a little bit anytime the DM moves a mini close to yours. Um, Mm. But but mm-hmm. but on your turn, what are you doing? You're just rolling dice, um, and I like I like my players to have to weigh risk. So I actually dropped this mechanic because I felt like it didn't do the thing I wanted. But I think that there's a kernel there that we're gonna I'm gonna keep experimenting with. Um, when you fall below zero hit points, you make a Constitution save. Um, it's the same concept. It's like uh, you know if you get an eleven or better, you're good, sort of a thing. Um, if you succeed. If you don't succeed, you go unconscious and you start bleeding out. And um, it's just the three strikes you're out. But if you succeed, Mm -hmm. you can choose to stay up and dive into negative hit points. Oh. Um, Interesting. If you choose to do that, at the end of the encounter, you take a level of exhaustion. But you can keep fighting. If you go to, if you reach negative half your hit points, you die outright. Interesting. Um, and if you get healed, right? If you if you're at like negative two, and you get healed out, so now you're at four hit points, and then you go back in and you succeed and you keep dipping back in and out, you're going to take a level of exhaustion each time you you dip in and out. Um, it's huh. fun in that you're you're risking you're, you're getting to stay up and you're getting to play. You have that negative effect of exhaustion looming over you um and you're you're risking not like if you take a critical hit instead of just dropping you're dying right like Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. that's the idea there Mm -hmm. um i will say that as home rules go it was a lot of fun until players start to get confused and Uh what i reached was it didn't happen often enough to where half the party remember the rules and what we got into then was every time it came up people were confused and we had to go back over what i just presented to you again right yeah Mm -hmm. and eventually i'm like you know what guys it needs to be smoother and until i figure out how to make that smoother we're just going back but i think there's i think that with a little bit of finicking we could have something fun right on yeah that's really interesting yeah i yeah that kind of goes along with some of my other things that I've messed around with too. Uh, but for me, healing potions, I take the, you know, everybody attributes it to Matt Mercer, the whole healing potions are a, a bonus action to drink yourself. Mm-hmm. It's an mm-hmm. action to feed it to somebody else. All other potions are an action. Mm-hmm. I attribute that to, you know, the healing potions are so common that they're uh, concentrated. So the, the potion bottles are actually pretty small. 
So it's more like you're, you're popping a five-hour energy and not a Red Bull? Well, they're mm-hmm. also the only magic item that is just a standard piece of equipment in the player's handbook. Yes. Right. So, I mean, there has to be some kind of a a reason why they can be, you know, done, you know, taken yeah. so quickly. And my healing potions, uh, I max out half the dice. Oh, wow. So a, a regular healing potion is a, is 1d4 plus 6. A Supreme is 5d4 plus 40. But that kind of also goes along with how I do critical hits. I max out half the dice. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, a longsword is a 1d8 or 1d10 plus your damage bonus plus 8 or 10. Which oh. that kind of, that's a good... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, because, you know, how many times have you actually rolled a crit and then rolled two ones? Right. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> that takes yeah. the wind right out of your sails. Now, the yeah. only other way that, that I have uh, thought about how to combat that is if you roll, and it's DM's discretion, if the player rolls really crappy critical damage, uh, steal an idea from the edge of the Empire. You still crit. You didn't do a whole lot of damage, but you've knocked him prone or you've you've uh, hit the, the post that was holding the awning and the awning came down and slowed their mm-hmm. progress. You know, things like that. Give it yeah. some extra story if you want to do it that way. Or for ease, it's just a lot more damage than... Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. I like that. Uh, Jonathan, what were you going to say? Yeah, I, well, I, I was going to say that it actually kind of dovetails in with healing in general. Uh, was the thing that kind of the next since we've talked about death we've talked about magical healing uh, one of the house rules that uh, that I've used in the past because I love my favorite levels are one through five I love gritty real uh, like a sword and sorcery fantasy mm-hmm. um, like Conan love Conan right and so in order to kind of get that vibe uh, one of the things that I introduced was um, you only heal a quarter of your maximum hit points every day instead of in fifth edition, you take a long rest, you're healed up to full. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And then your, uh, your hit dice replenish at a rate of uh, half your maximum per week instead of per day. And so again, <sighs> death is a, is, is a, is an ever present companion, right? It's always looming <laughs> yeah. over your shoulder and it makes the party a lot more cautious instead of like every, everything is solved with, you know, Leroy Jenkins maneuvers, you know, they really have to think their way, they have to really think their way through things sometimes because the consequences are very real. But then again, yeah. magical healing is, uh, in those circumstances are usually, it's usually rare and uh, divine availability of divine healing in particular is not is not it's not common. So when you're talking about that gritty real world fantasy uh, vibe, you know that kind of it all kind of lends itself to wow, magical healing is the best. Yeah, regenerating a limb that's amazing. It's mm-hmm. a healing that doesn't like doesn't scar me in some way. Yeah. That was another thing too. It's like I had a, a my buddy Brian uh, shout out. He uh, what he did with a a, a cleric of his was like a, a cleric of some kind of a like a fire elemental is who they worshipped so whenever you were healed by them all of your wounds were healed but they turned into essentially like brands or scars that were burned mm. into you and a f- the flesh was fused together yeah. by by f- fire and flame and so you'd never you were always marred by by his healing which is awesome because yeah i love the that that you know the, those old conan 
covers where yeah. you know, he's just covered in scars. Exactly. In D and D, who's got scars? You got the pristine hero, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. That's no. the that's the take of D and D, though, right? Like, I mean, I, I love I love your pitch there. The interesting thing about your pitch, John, is that that sort of thing where there's where you heal sl- much more slowly over time mm-hmm. is the normal outside of D and D. If you look at Call of Cthulhu or Vampire or any yeah. of these other systems. You're getting trickle healing, and if mm-hmm. you suffer major blows, it may take you a few weeks to heal up, right? To back up yeah. the full. Um, D&D presupposes that you are a hero. Yeah. And a hero mm-hmm. is not an, an average person. And and so the when you don't want to do that, like you said, when you want to play that more gritty scenario, the first thing that's got to go is overnight healing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So. And well, I'm surprised. Yeah. Surprisingly, whenever I've posed it to players, we when we do session zero, one of the one of the topics that obviously comes up is okay. Here are some of the house rules that I usually play with. How do you all feel about it? Is there anything else that you'd like to do, etc.? And that's actually one that pretty consistently. Not I don't think to that necessarily to that degree, but they're they're okay with a a, a debuff to the healing as it stands to make it more realistic and make the, the hits mean more instead yeah, of it just yeah. being something you shrug off. Right on. Yeah. I have uh, to kind of like go along with that, with the extended out healing and stuff. I have lingering wounds and nagging injuries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nice. I, I utilize the exhaustion rules for that. So every time you drop to zero or every time you take a crit, it gives you a level of exhaustion that, that mm. appears after the combat. Now I make it different because I call that combat exhaustion. Yeah, it's still it's still mm-hmm. tracked the same. It, it feeds right into the rest of the exhaustion rules, but I differentiate it because of the way you can get rid of it. If you have a level of combat exhaustion, you can take a short rest and and get rid of one level of combat exhaustion. Mm. Uh, if you have multiple levels of combat exhaustion, you take a short a long rest. You can get rid of two. Now, I'm also going to incorporate potions of exhilaration, <laughs> which every potion removes or, or it masks a level of exhaustion for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Once that 24 hours is up, that exhaustion comes back and you get another level of exhaustion. Mm. Huh. So the 24-hour period that you would normally have to recover... It's kind of like your recovery goes on on hold. Yep. You're, you're good to go for a little bit, and then the exhaustion that you gained during that time frame, what you had before that time frame, and then a little bit more, all hit you at once. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the crash. It's the crash yeah. after the Red Bull. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and you cannot recover from any exhaustion while you are under the influence of a potion of exhilaration. Because mm. who's going to sleep, right? So. <laughs> Yeah. You can't recover. Right. That's um, interesting. So, Troy, so, Troy yeah. is the person who's brought energy drinks to the Forgotten Realms. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I think Volo may have brought them. I just, you know, probably that's probably more of a Mahadi thing. He probably sold that to somebody while in Avernus. I will sucker them in with with wonderful monster and Red Bull, delicious drinks, delicious drinks. Uh, so I have yeah. a um, on the topic of like death, uh, character death type stuff. Um, uh, got DM uh, 
somebody I've I've hyped on here before. He has a rule that I've I've wanted to try. Um, haven't had the opportunity to yet, but uh, a player can choose to forego their death saves. Like it's certain they die after this, but Ooh. they can. Um, they can choose to forego death saves, and he he calls it create an epic moment. Like, uh-huh. uh, I've heard of this. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. is it a thing? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's something I've wanted to try. Is like, you know, you can you can make sure that I don't know you can stay behind and like blow up the bridge that the army is crossing that is going to slaughter you and your friends and your small amount of allies, you're mm-hmm. definitely going to die, but you can give up your death saves and make sure that happens. Like, yes. that kind of thing. I think that's yeah. that's a really yeah. interesting... In college, no we referred, yeah. Yeah, in, in college, we referred to it as the, the Boromir moment. Mm. <laughs> yes. Like, arrow, thunk, 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 still yep. going. You're going to yep. die. You're going to die. Wait, wait for it, wait for it. Let him, let him have that moment, that epic... Yeah. Save the Hobbit's moment, right? Yeah, just exactly. stretch it out just a little bit more in order to make it more dramatic. Yeah. Our yes. our current decade would call it the Hodor moment, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> too soon. Oh, Still too man. soon. Still yeah. Too soon. <laughs> uh, spoiler if, alerts. Spoiler, spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. Yes. What if I ta- What if I took us in a different direction? Do you mind if I t- we we throw out some skill? things you have anything in your list for skill oh, yes yes i do <laughs> awesome <laughs> actually it's right here right the next one <laughs> awesome well um i have a little tiny one that has made my life so much better um who among us has not had issues with the differentiating between investigation and perception? Oh my gosh. Yep. We see hands raised. Yep. Okay. Um, I have opinions on that. I'll, I'll save. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a really simple, I have a really simple um, trick. Now, obviously we agree on certain things for investigation. Like if you're in a library and you're like, I want to spend the next four hours researching whatever, right? That's obviously an investigation check. That's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. We're talking about I'm looking for traps or I want to figure out how this works or I want to mm-hmm. I want to see I'm, I'm keeping a lookout or yada, 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 right? Investigation, perception. Here's my, here's my hard and fast rule. Investigation requires physically interacting with the thing, with your environment, are you so so if you say i am searching this hallway for traps okay is that a visual inspection or are you getting on your hands and knees and feeling around or tapping things with your st- stick if you're tapping things or feeling around that's an investigation role yep if you are just looking at it with your eyes or listening for things that's a perception role yep. um i've never had anyone argue with that it's really easy because it's just and it's really easy also to make sure that your player can pick the one that they actually want to do. And a lot of times I'll say, if you're interacting with this thing, the DC is lower. And I'll tell them that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're using investigation, you're using not just your eyes and ears, but your actual, uh, the the sensory t- of touch. Obviously, the DC is going to be a little bit lower for you to learn something about it. But you might also set off the trap if it's a pressure plate or whatever. So, anyhow, that's my home rule. That's my home rule um, is to I, I like to it. narrow it down. I'm yes. stealing that. Yes. Cool. I, yes, I I tell everybody it's like yeah. If 
if you're interacting with something to do research, it's investigate. If you are walking in and just Sherlock Holmesing it as you're standing in the doorway, that's perception all the way. Yep. 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 Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't usually have any, any issues with, with people being like, Oh yeah, but what a, it's like, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's, think, that's the way it goes. So my, just to divert just for a second on it is my problem that I've had with players in the past is they interpret investigation as, um, going around town and asking for information about a certain somebody, mm. right? Instead uh, of it being an interactive, like trying to find clues or trying to check for traps, check to see if the, the lock is, or the, the door is locked, that kind of stuff. And so the, I know that there is some confusion that's out there. Just remember what it's tied to. I think is what I tell my players. Like it's tied to intelligence, not to charisma or, you know, which usually charisma is some kind of like pulling information out of people through some kind of social inter- exchange is charisma. However, if we're, you know, sometimes you can play a little fast and loose with the, the skills and they're still, it's, you're still within the bounds of the okay. PHB, right? And so sometimes you can use, you can give them the option or depending on how they explain what they're trying to do. Sometimes investigation is just listening. It's it's sitting and listening to people talk to one another, sitting sitting in the the uh, uh, in the tavern and hearing tavern tales and things like that. You're not necessarily physically you're interacting with something, but you're absorbing information about your surroundings to make a call about something, right? To uncover a truth, uncover a fact, or something like that. So it, sometimes it's interpretive, and, and that it's, it's a tough one I, for I, me. I can see that because you're not mm-hmm. actually trying to. Am I perceiving them talking? No, they're sitting right. right there talking. Exactly. But I'm just kind of right. You're I'm putting you're putting here, two and two yeah. together, right? And then I'm sometimes that listening. you know, then sometimes you go back to the old, you know, the underutilized fourth edition, and also, and honestly, under or I think poorly explained uh, skill challenges from fourth yes. edition, right? Because then you're kind of then now you're talking about not a single a role that makes that kind of like is the silver bullet. For, for the mm-hmm. issue. It is there's insight. What's your gut telling you about what they're saying? The there's investigation deception. is the drawing in the exactly there's deception. You're trying to be you're trying to like keep it on the low so that they don't know that you're peeping in or you're listening into what it is they're trying to say and trying yep. to act inconspicuous. So I mean a lot of these things are it's you have to arbitrate and just kind of like it's that's where the off the cuff what makes the most sense at the time kind of yeah, comes like into that. play. T- tell me how you're trying to gather this information. Yeah. Exactly. And and I'm okay with that with the players doing that because the players know their strengths and weaknesses. And I I'm okay with the players, you know, intimidation using strength instead of charisma for the barbarian. Yeah, I'm okay with that every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Don't yeah, know, if they, it, it can it can be abused, obviously, right? Yeah. But at the same time, if the, the barbarian makes a, a display of strength by bending a crowbar in front of the kobold, <laughs> uh, I have a feeling the kobold's gonna be a little bit intimidated by that, you mm-hmm. know. So the, the, I think there's some flex in there. And I think that I'm not sure if that's even really necessarily a homebrew thing. That's just more of a general DM flexibility and agility. Yeah. You've got a, a muscle you've got, to, you've got to work out. You know, the other mm-hmm. thing that, I've, that I say with these two while we're still on the subject is that uh-huh. perception can be passive. Investigation yes, yes. cannot be passive. It's always yes. active. So yes. like if you look at what perception as defined in the PHB, it says – uh, your perception check lets you spot here or otherwise detect the presence of something. That's the introductory yes. statement, right? Yep. It's all about just, just receiving or detecting base level something coming at you. 
Um, if you look at the um, base description for investigation, it says, when you look around for clues and make deductions based mm. on those clues. So that's active it's active yeah. verbs there, right? You're you're looking you can't around. Actively look for clues. Yep, you're right. you're actively looking right. for clues and you're actively making deductions. So, yeah. a big part of that also is like, and that's why when this whole passive perception thing comes up, it's it gets very noodly because. And then there was that thing about six months back. It's where the next one on my list. There we go. Um, <laughs> there was a talk a while back about well, you can you actually have passive stats for all your skills. Uh, and I'm like, mm. whoa, 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 whoa. Half of these skills are not passive skills. I'm being passively athletic right now. I'm yes. just going to be mediocre at everything all <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I'm going to buy, I'm going to spend feats to make myself super good all the time. There's, I'm, right. a, I'm Superman and I can't fall down. Yeah, um, yeah. So go ahead, Troy. Tell us, tell us what you got with passive. Well, I don't like it as written as we are discussing. Amen. Um, so, like in a module or whatever, if it says uh, the players detect this, detect this if they have a passive perception of this or higher. No, they don't detect it. If they have a passive perception of that or higher, they are the ones that get to make a passive or a, 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 a perception check. Period. Anybody that has a passive perception lower than that, they've not even detected it. They don't get a roll on it. They don't get to know it. Mm. Only the ones that have that passive perception it's it's a uh, it's a qualifier mm. for me for so, me same with other so, skills so let me ask you this Do, are you a they roll it or you roll it on the on the back end because one of the dangers kind of like with stealth right mm-hmm. i always i i always roll stealth for my players because they roll a one <laughs> they they know that they haunt they're han solo and they stepped on a twig Behind a, a stormtrooper, right? <laughs> so, so I is it does it behoove you to roll perception for them on the back end and then divulge what they find based on that roll? Um, or what I've also done, I actually the one thing I use passive perce- perception for is I want my players to find something. The person with the highest perception is the one that finds it, right? They're the most yeah, perceptive. Right, right, They're yeah. the, the more aware of their the most aware of their surroundings. Um, mm. So that's 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 kind of how I use it. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with with Troy and and uh, and Zach and Catherine. What did what did you think about it? Do you like passive perception? Um, I'll admit to always being kind of a little bit confused by. It. Amen. <laughs> <So> I just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm kind of in that same boat though, of where I can definitely see where it's kind of it just eh, you can, it's it's, well, it, it's it is it's kind of one of those mediocre parts of the game, right? That doesn't well, make you a can, ton of sense. When you mm-hmm. can feed it out, and you're walking around with a passive perception of 23. Oh yeah, yeah, that, it's obnoxious. To me, that yeah, pulls yeah. part of. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the the the, the character. He's a mm-hmm. very perceptive character, but you're also eliminating part of the game for the rest yeah. of the table. Right. Because yeah, it can be fun to be ambushed, you know, and fight your way through stuff like that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that passive perception of 23 just means that person gets to roll. Yeah. On every check, I mean, and I'll tell you, still, you know, and I'll tell yeah. you, in, in in public play, the the players that have invested heavily in a yep. passive intelligence or have passive investigation and passive perception in the twenties, they really fight. For like, well, oh yes, they do. Why, why didn't you? Not to like, I don't want to oh, paint gosh. everybody with the same brush, but I've had interactions with players in the past where it's like, 
well, how could you have possibly done that? My passive perception is like forty-five. You know, like I, oh, I can, I can, I can see into the into the celestial realm. My, my perception is so high. How could that <laughs> even happen? It's like, well, you know, sometimes you get the jump on you, man. That's just the way that it goes. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you can't they, always be Superman. Yeah, they but, really, uh, they really want it. But yeah, go ahead. As well, far as you know, they've spent they've spent resources to get it. That's the yes, that's right. the frustrating part because they have valid arguments and that yeah, they yeah. have played by the yes. rules. Yep. It's just that y- the rules mean that the table is going to have less fun as a whole. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, how I combat that is uh, if it's something like that, especially in public play, you're going to find it, but now it just might take longer. If, if, there's, a, is a, if there's a piece of information that you have to find to move forward, you're still going to make that check. Let's say you fail. Now it took you maybe four hours to find the thing and the, and the bad guys are on your tail or you, you made noise, you know, something. Right. But you're still going to find the information. You're still going to find that key piece that the, the, the passive perception of 45 is still going to find it. And he's mm-hmm. the only one that could have found it. It just right. took him a little bit longer than what he wanted. Now right. to go back to the whole, do do I roll the check or do they roll the check? I have what I call Schrodinger's box, and it's a it's a little wooden box. I hand it to the player, and I'm like, "Put your die in, shake it up, hand it back to me very gently." And I generally try to have their modifiers it within range of of me. Mm-hmm. I look, I look at the die, I shake it back up, and I hand it back to them. I'm like, nice. "Okay, here we go." That's, I or, like that. That way they can – they're still rolling, right? Yeah, they're, they're still rolling. Saying. Something else I thought about doing, and this just kind yeah. of came to me the other day. Uh, actually, uh, two weeks ago because I started it in my game. Um, if they fail, I make, them, I make them roll another Schrodinger's box roll percentage high. They think it's this. Low. They think it's, so. If it's an insight check, is this person lying? They failed. Okay, now roll a percentile. Okay, uh, yeah, you think they're telling the truth? Interesting. Because they failed the roll. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know if they're wrong or not. Yeah. 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 So they could have. Yeah, they could have just blundered on the fact that oh yeah, he's lying. He's lying. I don't know if he's lying or not, but yes, he was lying. <laughs> right. I, I like to do, um, like, mid, mid rolls are, like, are, you're not sure. Like, I've, I've had some DMs that are, like, the lower the number it is, the less sure, sure you are whether they're telling the truth or not. But I like the whole, like, I like the mid ranges when you don't know. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. low is like you're definitely sure this is true. That yeah. that makes it more fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and because that's what the failure is. Mm-hmm. Just because you failed doesn't mean you know. Because if I if I if if I say oh you failed your roll, or if they roll it and they rolled a, a two, and I say oh yeah this person is telling you the truth, they know they're lying. One of the things that you can do there, right? Which which I love doing for my groups is. Insight checks are a really cool moment because really what – if somebody calls for an insight check, what are they doing? They are actually investing in a role play moment. 
mm-hmm. like one of the one skills where that happens, where they are paying attention to what somebody is saying, and they're saying, I want to interact with that, right? And so when they roll and they fail, when they roll and they – if they succeed, then you give them the information, you know, you give them some benefit. But if they fail, I say, you're still suspicious, but you can't confirm or deny your suspicions because because their char- mm-hmm. yes it's the player that was suspicious but I'm now giving that to their character and I'm saying no your char- you chose to roll an insight which means your character is suspicious mm-hmm. which means you should keep an eye on them right so it's one of those things that if you want to roll the insight what you're doing is you're saying my character does not trust this person um and and doing that reminding them of that in my experience helps them to get more to to hook their claws a little bit more into that into that social encounter okay. as opposed to oh i just failed okay well let's move on nope you are you yeah. can still you are still suspicious you just don't know for sure most of the time players decide that that means that that person is lying and they should stab them in the uh-huh. back but um <laughs> it doesn't actually mean that it just means that you don't get an answer Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And since we talked about uh, perception and investigation, I want to talk about two more that are like this, athletics and acrobatics. Because athletics athletics says, straight out of the gate, athletics, climbing, jumping, swimming, and then you can also kind of extrapolate lifting, pulling, dragging, and pushing. Mm -hmm. Acrobatics is balance, wiggling free, tumbling. But here's the... I'm sorry, you already had something. Here's the thing. Okay, so I grew up dancing, right? Mm -hmm. Everything takes both. Like... Right. There's no... There's... It just doesn't even make sense in my mind to separate those two out most of the time. Exactly. Yes, I I totally agree. To me, acrobatics needs to be called something different. Call it balance if you want. Or or, mm-hmm. or flexibility mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, because flexibility me, would make sense. Because yeah, because to me, athletics. Because you know, uh, when when you say acrobatics, people automatically think, oh, like a floor routine for mm-hmm. for for gymnasts. No, that's athletic. That's <laughs> jumping and and body control and 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 muscle and and all that stuff. What they're doing is very acrobatic. And full of balance and everything else, but the actual act of doing it is athletic. Well, is it more and like? Get, it, is it more? Ad, is it agility though? Really? Yeah. It's, hand, it's like it's like hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye and coordination. Yeah, that kind of yeah. Which also could be considered athletics as well. Well, but then so, you yeah, go I, back I to like you go back to the not to borrow not to no pun intended the flexibility of the interpretation, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes athletics is just it's brawn. It's it's yes. pure Greco-Roman wrestling strength, but even still, I mean, not to argue that it, the like Greco-Roman wrestling doesn't have some aspect of agility or acrobatic prowess. Right. You know, I wrestled whenever I was in high school, and you, there's definitely you can't just be a moose. And I knew I liked you, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can't just be a moose on the mat, right? You, there's right. there is so much phys- there's some so much technique. That goes yeah. into like such a physically 
like a, a brawny, str- like a strength-based activity is still, right? So you, uh, mm-hmm. to me, there's like this perfect marriage that you have to kind of, or not perfect, an imperfect marriage that you have to use, that you have to dance around, again, no I pun intended, it, in order yeah. to accommodate for both. <laughs> I think it kind of goes with the, the, the variant stat rule in the PHB. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to do a- acrobatics? Well, I think it's more of a, a strength-based acrobatics for this this one. And mm-hmm. oh, you want to use athletics? I think it's more of a dexterity-based athletics for this one. Right. So yeah, you could kind of switch those around. I just kind of wanted to bring that up since we brought up perception. No, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, we may have to do an ADD or or just a general topic for skills is what I'm reading off of this because some of these aren't. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of this discussion is veering yes, away yes. from homebrew and more into <laughs> skill interpretation. So I'm right. not Let's saying go. that that's a bad Let's thing, rips. but I'm saying that means a whole other topic to explore. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. I, yeah I, agree. I agree. So we'll we'll kind of get off get off the uh, the skill train. Um, anybody have anything for initiative? Do, do does anybody do anything fun with initiative? Or do you I just... tried using Mike Merle's the dice based gra- initiative. The Greyhawk, yes. Yeah, the Greyhawk stuff. Um, this is it didn't do anything for me. It was overly complicated. Oh no, oh, no, it's simple and it's not supposed to be as complicated. But just rolling a d twenty and then adding a number and then going in turn order. It's just it's easier for my for my players in particular to get, and they just they felt like it was it deviated too far away from the core mechanic of you want to do something roll a d twenty the byproduct of what you want to do is some other die die roll right. Yeah. One of the one of the things that I've done for initiative when I'm wanting to speed up a game quite a bit, like when like let's let's say you you're running a four hour mod and you've got two and a half hours to do it. Um. I have them, I say, give me four initiative rolls right now mm, yes. at the very beginning of the game. Jot, mm. jot, 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 write them all down, put them in order. Okay, now, instead of having to interrupt games, we can just do it at the beginning. And also, you have the added benefit of the players don't know when initiative, when the encounter starts every time. Right. 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 So you can have that cool moment where a spear flies out and hits you and you take six points of damage and now it's your turn right and they're like what what's happening like we're in combat you know they don't they didn't get a warning and it it can create a startled fun like heartbeat Mm -hmm. sort of a moment yeah i like that so let me let me ask you this what if you for like an added an added twist to that that you have if you have your four roles that your players can choose which in, which of the four initiative roles they want to use at the beginning of each combat, right? So they can they can if you really you want to you want to blow it on you blow your twenty or whatever it was that you rolled you want to blow it on the first combat yeah you can do that or you want to save it to the very very end or I still like what you're saying where you kind yeah, of yeah. have a pre predetermined your initiative's already set in stone you don't have to sit here and fiddle with it so much but I'm just I'm trying to think about like some other way some other twists on the idea yeah it's one of those things where anytime you allow choice or decision back into it you're removing yep. the time savings but you're at you're getting something else right you're getting right. a decision right. back in so yeah yeah have, Catherine have you done anything with initiative or just played it uh, by the book I've just I've just done it by the book so far um I haven't really like again with how running stuff on discord most of the time works it actually takes a really long time to get to the point where you roll initiative mm-hmm. so at that point it's just like all right let's just go <laughs> right on. Yeah, that's, that's fair yeah I like a very chaotic combat I like 
I like the ebb and flow. So that having the one initiative order going all the way through to me is just like you're missing out on something. Is and I did. I tried the the Mike Merle's Greyhawk initiative, and I liked mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the problem was there was a huge disconnect with the players, at least right. my my players, yeah, and same. it was. And to me, what I liked about the Greyhawk initiative is, oh, I'm right here. I don't need to move. I'm going to go toe to toe with this guy. I'm only rolling this die. Okay, right. cool. I go. Some of my players couldn't let go of that, and it was. Well, I gotta roll this die if I want to move. I gotta roll this die if I want to hit. I gotta roll mm-hmm. this die if I want to use my bonus action. I gotta roll this die. If... And it's like you're rolling seventeen dice, and you're going on initiative count thirty-four. You know, it's like you're you're missing the point. So I, I scrapped that, and then I went old school, and we rolled a d twenty every round mm-hmm. for a while, which yeah. interesting. That was that was okay, but you know, it does it takes up a little bit extra time redoing that initiative every round right uh so yeah we just went back to the normal but i do held actions a little bit different you know the whole you you can't uh move all that kind of stuff you just have to declare your intent i'm i'm a little bit more open for that it's like uh i want to go after this person well what's your trigger i'm going to wait to see what they do okay and for this round you're going on initiative 12 instead of 17 okay cool and yeah. just go with it. You can you always know. go down an initiative. You can't go up. Right. right. That's yeah, the, and after, after that round, right. you pop right back up to where you used to be. I, I, I do the same thing, except I make them stay. Oh, okay. Cool. You know, <laughs> like, hey, if you want to say, no, I want to go after the wizard. Okay, cool. No problem. You're now initiative 12, and that's where you are. Because on the flow of things, that's your choice. If you want to make that choice, great. But I'm not going to sit here and try to remember every time to bump you around. So right. we're just going right. to keep it. That uh-huh. also makes sense uh, from from the standpoint of like you chose to take that half second or whatever to wait, mm-hmm. and and you can't like get back that half second after yeah. you waited. Yeah, that that's fair. Sense? Yeah, yeah. If you didn't invest no. it, you spent it. And, right. and as yeah. I recall, with the with the Greyhawk initiative, you really had to kind of have to forecast what you're going to do at the very beginning of each right. round, which is tough because. You, your players I, that's one of the things that happened with my players is they got frustrated with the fact that the landscape of, of combat changes constantly it's already hard right. enough when you know your turn is coming up and you can do whatever you want to on your turn like well somebody else just killed the guy that you were about to attack or the cast a spell that pushed somebody out of the way or something else like that it, it moves things around so much it's really hard to 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 forecast out what you're going to do and then then you do it because it's almost like you, you waste your turn if you well, d- don't right make the the make the right yeah, move far ahead. Yeah, that's Sorry. that's their argument. And for me, right. you know, being an MMA fan and wrestling in high school as well, uh, if you're going for a, for you know a, you know a collar and elbow, mm-hmm. and you and you shoot in for that, but somebody decides, hey, I'm going to go for a, a, a double leg. Oh crap! Where'd they go? Oh, right. I'm on my butt. That's yeah. what that's what Greyhawk Initiative does. I can see that. It does yeah. not guarantee you you're going to stay in toe-to-toe. I'm going to swing. I'm going to swing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to swing. I'm going to swing. It gives you that chaotic I think, combat feel. I think that Greyhawk, that sort of thing or an interpretation of it, will become more popular as streaming platforms and especially VTTs get more yes. advanced. Because yeah, if, right. you can, if you can just 
flip a toggle and say, oh, we're not Greyhawk now, and it just refreshes every time and it lets you know when your turn's next, great. I think people are – it doesn't it doesn't slow down anything. I think people will be happy to do it then or at least try it. Right. Uh, D&D Beyond, get on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a number one priority, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. On top of all the other number one priorities that people yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, quick, yeah. quick little like – um, play by post only sort of rule that I have for okay. combat. Um, <laughs> Discord play by post combats can take forever because, oh, yeah. again, people are posting whatever they can. Um, so, like, I've been a part of more than one combat that has taken literally over a month. Mm. Um, it's a little ridiculous, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, at the same time, it's, it's understandable when you think about like real life circumstances that might pop up mm-hmm. and stuff. So what I have is if, if somebody takes, I tell everybody this at the beginning of, of every combat, but if, if it is your turn for a full 24 hours, we skip your turn. Um, you take the and, dodge. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if they were about to do something very critical, um, in, in the combat that might have changed the whole course of it, then, like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of room for, like, finagling or something so that it, it isn't quite as critical that they are there in that instant. But, but like, if it's, if it's more than 24 hours, we're moving on because we don't want to wait, like, three days until you remember, like, oh, this, this real-life thing is over. Oh, yeah, I got a post on, on Discord. You know? It happens, so we'll just move on. Mm-hmm. Right on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. it. Uh, what about flanking? Do you guys do anything with flanking? Mm. I've in person. I've used a hex, uh, like a hex map, several times, and said, you know, certain hexes don't count as flanking, and certain ones do. Facing rules, basically, right? Um, right. But yeah, that's a lot of fun when you can be flanked by like how many people? Is it like six people at a time with, with the hexes? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's. Yep. <laughs> yeah, flanking's Catherine? a tough one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, yeah. Catherine. I was like, you, do you ever do you have any experience with flanking? You do that with any of your? I mean, because it's different for you with play by post, right? Um, I mean, if if my players make an effort to coordinate themselves, even over the play by post period of waiting time to flank someone, I'll go ahead and and let that happen, even if it's not like technically a a PHB sort of flank. Yeah. So so what do they get for flanking? Um <laughs> they get um usually it is the the second person in the flank gets advantage on their attack roll. Usually. Okay. Um I haven't really fidgeted with with it very much yet. Right on. Yeah. Yeah see for me with flanking it's one of those, what's good for the goose is good for the gander mm-hmm. with the players where it can, I think it, it shifts the paradigm of combat significantly, incl- including flanking advantage and things like that. Because if the players can do it, the, the bad guys can too. And when oh, you've yes. got, so especially at the earlier levels, there's a pretty decent opportunity. Uh, Opportunity for them to be outnumbered with a ton of kobolds, a ton of kurthics, a ton of um, like anything. goblins and things like that, or anything. Right now, co- co- kobolds are already ridiculous anyway because of pack tactics. 
But yes. Um, but yeah, so it, it's tough like that, and, and that kind of we can kind of dip into another one is uh, critical hit tables and critical fumble oh. tables. They are. <laughs> I understand the appeal for players because it adds this like. I didn't just swing my sword. Another really cool thing happened, but they are so laborious and they suck up so much time. And again, if the players get to roll roll the table on a crit, well, then the bad guys should be able to roll it on the table on a crit too. It's one of fumbles are ridiculous. What's the what's the line? Gag me with a spoon, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think we we hit Zach's sore spot. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Yeah, like I was. a little bit ago, I was like, well, maybe we could talk about homebrew that you don't like oh, that you played. In. And I'm like, yeah. that is, oh man, don't, don't, yes. don't yeah. give us a table for everything. A crit is already a better hit. A critical yeah. failure is already a miss. Why are we adding to it? Yeah. Um, but the same. I shot myself in the eye. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, and that goes to the cold shots, which is another homebrew that I, I don't care about. Like yeah. that being yeah, said, that being said, um, I do allow a reduction in damage if you want to try to like, oh, I want to try to stab that guy in the eye. Great, you you can try, and we'll figure out a way to do that. But you're not going to deal as much damage because you are you're trying for precision, not devastation. But right. um, yeah, like gosh, I I groan inwardly anytime. Uh, critical and apparently tables. outwardly too. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah, fun. I'm not a yeah, fan. I've got a, a fan. I've got a critical table. I still have it. I'm actually looking at it right now. That is, not only is it a critical, it it does it by damage type. So if oh, you wow. if you crit, then it's ranged weapon attack fumble. You where you you slip or you pulled up lame or you something you got something in your eye. You whiplash right to spell attack fumble. Slashing critical damage, bludgeoning, piercing, like, and so I tried this, and it lasted a, a whole, I think, two sessions before I'm just like, look, I'm not doing it. I, I love you. I love you all. I know you want to do this, and I'm a, I'm a, I'll try my best to say yes, kind of DM, but this is just ridiculous because yeah, every single time they'd crit or they'd fumble, it was a good almost five minutes of. Finding where it is. All right, roll a percentile die. Hang on, let me find out where that is in here, and then tell them oh. what the, what it is, and then ar- having to like arbitrate or uh, adjudicate the the result, right? And and it was never good. It was I, I would just assume take take the butt weapon and take that extra bit of damage than have to take half the stuff that's on the crit tables. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this out here. I'm guessing that none of you have ever had any experience with a game called Rollmaster. Nope, I have not. Never heard of it. <laughs> oh my goodness! You guys need to find that and just check it. Its nickname was Chartmaster. Oh gosh! <laughs> uh, there was a chart for every weapon, and it went from uh, negatives, I think, to to above one hundred. It was a it was a D one hundred based system, and. It detailed out. It's like, uh, well, this weapon will do bludgeoning. Uh, this weapon, uh, a Morningstar, will do bludgeoning and piercing because it's got the spikes on it. This weapon mm. does this. this. And you would roll on all these multiple charts of stuff. <laughs> and it was, the the charts are amazing. The way it's like, uh, you, uh, you, you, your, your arrow drops drastically. Uh, you hit foe. 
uh, Foe no longer can have babies. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely bonkers what is on these charts. But yeah, there was a chart for everything. Armor, spells, each spell type had charts. And they had a game called Space Master. Oh, it. That sounds like a person that was a programmer or an engineer of some sort. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I, if and I they, can, they probably uh, had... They probably had some text-based RPG that did all of this stuff for them. But whenever they you try to apply that in the real world, it just seems that sounds miserable to me. Trying oh, like rolling from I mean, the table for everything. We had fun with it. We laughed at the, at the charts, but yeah, it was combat took forever. Combat oh, took forever. I make I flanking can... easy. I just do a plus two. Yeah. Oh. Go and, back and, to like, go back to yeah, Pathfinder yeah. days. Mm. Yeah, if if you're across from each other, that that gives flanking. Each of them get a plus two. If another person comes up on any other side, they get flanking as well because now you know they're preoccupied with these other two people. Once you have the the satisfaction of one directly across from the other, anybody else that comes up gets a plus two to hit. Hmm. Well, so I'm gonna do that now. That would be one less dice roll to wait for somebody to roll in the chat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it, it kind of gives me that a little bit of movement on the battlefield instead of just I'm going to stand here and swing. Mm-hmm. Now it's, oh, do I want to do I want to risk getting an attack of opportunity to get over here to give this person right. flanking, you know that kind of thing. So it gives it a little bit more for me. Hmm. Popping back over to the charts for a second. Um, if it wasn't a super, super huge complex chart, I could actually see a place for those in sessions that are almost all combat, because then it might inject a little bit of roleplay back into it without taking away from the actual combative atmosphere. It could. It could. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the system started out, or I don't know if it started out, but it was also touted as you could use these charts in D&D. Mm. They, mm-hmm. And they had, it was a spell law, arms law, Claw Law is what huh. the different. Oh yeah, I forgot they had charts for all the monsters too. But uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, you could you could just roll on the charts as you're as you're playing D and D. It's like, oh, I just did this, and you know, and, and fleshes out your your hit <laughs> a little bit better. And they they wrap around, which gives you multiple uh, things on the chart. And oh yeah, you could just oh, tear man. people apart oh, with man. that. It was interesting. <laughs> interesting. That's great. Next winter fantasy, I'm gonna I'll dig out my space master and roll master and I'll bring it up. You, you wanna see it? <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. It is, it is fun. Uh, bloodied. Bloodied is one that I like to use. Oh yeah. Bloodied, is bloodied uh, a, So I got a question about bloodied, because I use bloodied yeah. too, but like the idea that like um if you're is it just the idea of below half damage you're considered bloodied? Some. Uh, I use it. Mostly, I use it as just a description to let people know, and the PCs as well. Uh, I'm bloodied, guys. I'm bloodied. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some monsters, mm-hmm. I do have abilities that will kick, kick off in. on a bloodied, like a dragon. A dragon automatically recharges their breath weapon on a bloody when they become bloody. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. That's cool. Stealing, stealing from fourth edition. Yeah, yeah. bloodied is one hundred percent a condition that should have been in effect. That should have carried over into fifth edition. It's such yeah, a yeah, helpful. It's such a helpful condition. There's another one um, uh, that's escaping me right now. Um, sickened. 
sickened should have stayed. Because mm. instead of poisoned, instead of poisoned, instead of poisoned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple like that that I'm like that I still use. Um, yeah, and I can't remember. There's a there, another day when we haven't talked about stuff for two hours. I'll I'll remember. But um, there's a um, <laughs> there's a specific thing that you can use sickened for that isn't what poisoned is for. Um, and, and so I like to use it still. Yeah. Uh, speak, you know, to keep it on the fourth edition train, uh, minions. Why were minions oh, yeah. not a, a, a thing in fifth edition rules as written? I mean, come on. I, well, I, I, I agree. Like I use minions. And I, I do too. I, I, I'm an advocate for using them. I think part of my players, their big complaint was you've got a room full of, uh, Cyclops, like 10 of them, but two of them are somehow beefier than the rest of them. These are like, they're 15, 20 foot tall, giant creatures, and they go down on one hit, right? To them, like the the verisimilitude of it was just, it just wasn't there, right? There's no, to me, it wasn't realistic at all, right? So I think that if you're going to use minions, they kind of, you have to be really picky choosy about how you do, go about doing it. Um, obviously, like, okay. Kobolds, go goblins, your Joe human guard fighter, whatever. I can I can see some of that too, that for sure. But like some of the monsters, dragon minion. I don't. That's not happening. Like a one hit, dropping a dragon in one hit. No way. I don't, I don't see that that's, happening at all. Of course, dwarves really cannot be minions. I'm going on the record of saying not. that. There, there are already <clears> many. Uh huh. Hey, look, man, don't don't hate yourself, okay? I, that's I, not... I can make fun. I can be <laughs> disparaged, self-deprecating. That's my that's my stick. Um, with, with, with minions, I have I have levels of minions. So I've got mm-hmm. a minion which is one hit and done. Yep. Warrior minions, two hits and done. Elite minions, three hits and done. Gotcha. I don't need to gotcha. care. I don't need to count damage. I don't need to count hit points. It's I just got to make tick marks. Oh, you've hit him twice. Okay, he's almost dead. Right, I got you. So it gives yeah, a little bit to, more beef. Then okay, so we used to call those we uh, we started calling ours mooks, the minions and mooks. The minion okay. was the was a tier one. The mook was a tier two. Right, yeah, nice. I do yeah, that so a lot. T- Here's my secret with with Al. I should not say this in front of Troy because he's gonna mm. throw a fit. Um, what I use <laughs> I use minions in every single game of Al. Um, I have. One hit minions, and I have two hit minions, just like you mentioned. And then I have bosses that have regular hit points. That's that's my thing. Is if it's a named NPC, they get their full hit points. But everybody else is one hit or two hit, basically. Um, it's so nice, and it lets me put a whole bunch more monsters on the table because I know. Um, oh yeah. You know, if it's a minion, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be just fine. You're gonna you're gonna even things out to your favor pretty quickly. But um, it's so much fun. And minions, one hundred percent, should have stayed. Minions should have stayed. I've got, I've got a variant to that since we're kind of on that subject. Another thing that I do relatively often nowadays is I do uh, hit point pools. You got five goblins of the same type. They all, all of their hit points are in a pool, yep. and as they drop down to whatever the hit point total was per monster, a monster drops. Right then, that way it randomizes. They don't the the whole the the typical combat strategy of a player worth their salt in my opinion is like is focus fire, focus on one drop them focus on another drop them, but doing and by doing that though it kind of makes the combat it, it can be lopsided 
And sometimes, it can, and sometimes for the players, it can be boring. It's just rinse and repeat. We're going to do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Having that pool of hit points that comes that is shared by all of the monsters or all of the, the bad guys creates a little bit more of like, oh my god, which one's going to drop next, right? And then just randomly or even sometimes deliberately indicate which one you're going to, you want to drop as the as the DM, the one yeah. that makes the most sense. I like that. Yeah. I like that. But yeah, yes. definitely focus, focus fire is a thing. It hundred percent. Well, I mean, it, like it's a it's a well, not just viable. It's the strategy. I mean, like that's the you want them to hit you less and do less damage to you. Focus up on one, drop them. Next one, mm-hmm. drop them. Next one, drop. Spreading it's out your damage. How many don't do that? They, you're a, It is shocking. Oh, everybody wants to be the star. I've got this right? one. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody wants to be the star, right? They want yeah. that one-on-one mono uh, monstero. Um, Combat, monster, and then the gibbering <laughs> mouth hits you for ten d six damage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, that that kind of it kind of concludes the list of the ones I've done or what you know have done in the past or currently do. I got two more to close everything out that I just found out about that I think I'm going to use. I will take the 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 less fun one first. Sprinting. Mm. Just heard this today. You forego all your actions for your turn, and you can move four times your speed. Mm. These Third attacks. Th- this this move huh. will provoke attack of opp- attacks of opportunity. Yeah. You can't you can't not you can't negate those attacks of opportunity because you're just balls out trying to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. So what you guys. Think How's that, that different? How is that? Not not to argue the, uh, against it, but to uh, either running four, four times your movement or dash move running effectively tw- twice. How does the, that make the the dash make sense? You know what I mean? It's like because uh, if you're foregoing all of your actions, you're you're already doing a dash and a move, right? So why why would it be four times as fast? Because you because you could still do a bonus action or a reaction. Doing a move dash. So I I have a strong feeling about this. Um, characters are not guaranteed bonus actions or reactions. No. So so to me, if you're the ability to run four times your speed has to come from an ability or a resource spent. And so mm. like a great example of that is expeditious retreat. Um, you're you're spending a spell slot to get the extra movement. Another great example is the um, Tabaxi's ability to move quicker. You're mm-hmm. you're spending you're you have an ability tied to it. But just to say, so what you're saying is, I'm claiming my bonus action and reaction when you, those are not yours to claim. Um, as a character, as 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 fifth edition is designed. That being said, there's a precedent in other you know in Pathfinder mm-hmm. or whatnot for it happening. So sure. it's hard to argue too much against it. So well, then it, let's let's talk about we're talking about house rules. That's an easy one to apply. You just you have to expend a hit die if you want to sprint. You do that, right? Because then then there's like a give and a take that's associated to it. Um, whereas to me, it's like I'm, try, I'm trying to reconcile the again the whole dash and move versus you know, now somehow or another the bonus action and the reaction allowed me to move twice as fast as I normally well, could, right? I mean, they they broke it down with how fast that actually equates into actual in, in real life. Mm-hmm. The uh, the 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 move and you know, the, the dash action 
is three miles an hour. Mm, That's okay. nothing. The four times your speed is approaching Usain Bolt levels of speed. <laughs> right. I mean, well, actually, five, more... five times five times your five times your speed is is approaching like twenty eight miles per hour or something like that. Mm. Well, then all the more reason to me, at least, to use hit die or some other form of a, a like a, a resource that can be expended to justify if you're moving that fast, right? You're really moving at a good clip, especially if you're talking about somebody that's in in heavy armor or even chain mail. That's so heavy trying to run that that fast. Oh even yeah, it is. You saying bolts not going to move that fast in plate? Oh no, but you're also talking about six seconds. No, yeah, yeah. So is a hit die worth moving four times your speed for a mere six seconds? I can see, Sometimes you know, it is. hey, man, I'm hauling butt trying to, you know, do a do a 100-yard dash here well, or 520 500-yard sprint. Yeah, 120 feet is a giant gap to close. I would, I'm, yeah, I'm an advocate for using hit die or something else. Or maybe if it's not, if you're, that's not an expendable resource, there has to a, be some kind of a. What about a condition right. cost? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the next thing would be maybe like a ex- level of exhaustion at the end of combat or something like that. Maybe, I don't know. something. Or you're effect. stunned. Or, you know, the, you stop and you can't, you can't do anything but die, you know, something. Yeah. Because yeah. I think a hit no, die is, def- too, is too expensive. I mean, I, I get the, I get where you're going with it. Especially with like, with it's a th- kind of a third of, third edition thing. The run. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, yeah, the action. Run. To, to run was four times your normal movement. I, I can see where that's kind of coming from. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's one of those things where you kind of have to game theory, the like the mechanics of it, to yeah. to make it balanced. Well, it, it depends. For me, D and D is not a simulation game. Yep. So I am all. I'm good with. You know what? You can't do anything but but sprint. Right. Whether whether you're going to do a bonus action or not, whether you could have had a reaction or not, we're just saying you don't even get the option if that's what you mm-hmm. want to do. Because mm-hmm. I mean, because to me, it's just let's. I never like the fact that oh, the fastest I can move is twice my movement speed. Sixty feet—that's all I get. I mean, I'm not in shape, but I think I can move faster than sixty feet in six seconds. <laughs> and that's about as simulationist as I want to get. So, <laughs> and, I, and again, and I and I just heard this one today. I'm like, I kind of like that because I, I kind of wanted something to help. Hmm. You know, let's give us that fast movement. But yeah, there does have to be a cost. There has to be, uh, you know, that's why I was saying like no ability can avoid, can l- allow you to avoid opportunity attacks or attacks of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, the gotcha. one that I found the most interesting that I really, really want to try is called Trap Clicks. And if I remember correctly, this came from the Angry DM. When a trap is activated, some traps, I will say. It clicks. What do you do? You have mm. an opportunity. What do you do? Do you drop to the ground? Do you hold your, your, your shield up? Do you jump away? What is it you do? And that's all you can do. You you don't get a you don't get a roll. You don't get anything like that. It's well, I, I hold my thing up. Well, it just happened to be a dart attack. Right. You're fine. You hold your shield up. Oh, it was a pit trap. You fall. <laughs> you know, it it just gives a little a little kind of a cool thing. Nice that uh, that nice the players nice. can do. That's interesting, you know? especially for things like pit traps, where typically it would be like make a dexterity check, right, or a yeah. dexterity save. Instead, 
Like, if I was going to do this, right, it'd be like, click. Oh, I dive out of the way. Great. The fo- floor falls. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I put mm-hmm. my shield up. You fall. What yep, about exactly. a dexterity save? Nope. Because you because you, you did, did this. Thing. That <laughs> is not a dexterity save. Like, it, the rogue is always going to want to dive, right? They're always going to be like, yeah. click. Oh, I dive backwards. Okay, great. Yeah. So that's the dexterity save, and you're always going to succeed, potentially, right? If for, mm-hmm. for a pit trap. Um, yeah, yeah, you, like you hold your cool. shield up, and it's a, and it's a poison gas attack. Stop. Sorry. <laughs> make, make your con save. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was you an could give interesting. A, you could give a thing. hint by yeah. being like the floor clicks, right? The panel mm-hmm. clicks, mm-hmm. the the ceiling clicks, right? Something mm-hmm. to where because your your character would hear that, and that might give them some indication. You hear you hear a small several small clicks coming from the wall. Okay, what is that? That might be some darts, right? Yeah, it's Indiana Jones running through that thing with his jacket up. Yeah, exactly. Blocking the darts. Cool. I just thought that was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. I do. I do like that. I like. I like that it adds an additional layer of agency to the players mm-hmm. to try to, to to get them out of a to, fix or out of a bind. To screw themselves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's your own fault at this point. It's like, you, sorry, you, you should have dropped. You screwed I, yourself instead of me being me. It was a scything, you know, a blade trap. Sorry, man. <laughs> now, now you're a foot shorter. It's your, your fault. You zigged when you should have zagged. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So does anybody else have any any favorite uh, home homebrew rules or tweaks that you like to do? I'm fresh out. Yeah, yeah most not... of the stuff that I've got is the stuff that failed, which we can yeah. always save for another for another one. That Things like fit. sanity. <laughs> I always forgot yeah. about sanity. I tried doing that in Curse of Strahd for the like I probably had it for like the first five sessions. Then I just forget about it. Yep. Yep. I would I there, I have some stuff like that too. It's like oh yeah. never mind. So I'm just gonna read down my list here. Dungeon dudes taking twenty, Matt Colville. XP to level three, nerd immersion, Monarchs Factory, and the DM Lair. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, these little tidbits here and there. That some of them I already I've already heard about or used before. Oh, uh, Matt Mercer as well. Um, Angry DM. Uh, just a little little uh, shout out to those guys for for uh, talking about their uh, little homebrews and house house rules and stuff like that. To give us something to blather on about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Sweet. So, I think that's going to do it for uh, this After Dinner Drinks episode, yeah? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love it. All right. That was a long right. episode, but a good one. Yeah. It was yeah. a long episode. Uh, y'all have a good time. Keep rolling them dice, and we will see you soon. Later. Yeah. Bye, everybody.